0: Okay, title of our lesson this morning, the Palms, the Temple, and the Nations, and as I was sharing that with Edwin, he kind of looked at that, and I said, no, that's right, it's the Palms, it's not the Psalms, it's the Palms, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The text is from First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 23, and then Matthew 21, verses 5 through 9, and we'll take a look at a little bit more, Matthew 21, and help us to explain how those two verses are connected. We've been studying the book of 1 Corinthians and we've talked about the city of Corinth and how diverse it is and how divided they are. But unity is desired. Paul sets that forth in the very first chapter. And all nations are to be reconciled to one another. So Jesus Christ and him crucified is the motivation for that. So three points we're going to take a look at this morning. It's the final week. That's Matthew chapter 21 the final week, beyond humility. And that's talking about as Jesus rides into the city and then reconciliation. That reconciliation is for all the nations. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse uh, 10, the apostle Paul is where he pleads with them, this kind of a paraphrase, that they all speak the same thing and that they be of the same mind and that they be of the same judgment. Now, oftentimes, as we think about that, speak the same thing, same mind, same judgment, we think about uniformity. And so if I'm going to teach someone the gospel, we think about, well, speak the same thing, same mind, judgment. It's faith, it's repentance, it's confession, and it's baptism, right? Speak the same thing. Same mind, same judgment. And so then we think about worship. And we think about singing and we think about praying and we think about giving and we think about the Lord's Supper and we think about preaching and teaching as same mind, same judgment. That's what we practice, right? And so it's like uniformity. Well, I would suggest it's that. But it's a whole lot more than that. It's one God and one Father. It's one Spirit. It's one Savior. It's one brotherhood. I believe that's what needs to be emphasized as we think about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is emphasizing that they be united. And in chapter 2, he says, When I came to you, I knew nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So what's the means? What's the motivation for them to come together and to be unified? I believe what he is suggesting is it's Jesus Christ and that's what we need to uh, come to understand. That is what will help us to be unified. Now I want to share just a thought with you from back a few years ago. Several years ago, I guess I should say. It's January 28th. It's 1985. There's a song that is released on the pop charts. I love this song. Maybe you remember it. It was written. It was written by Michael Jackson and Lionel Richie. We are the world. Ever heard it? We are the world. We are the children. We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's start giving. And it's this idea of that the brotherhood of man and how we ought to love one another and be united. That's clearly taught in the scriptures. That did not originate with that song or with those lyrics. So let me give you another date that you might remember. It's May 1st. It's 1992. Do you remember these words? Can't we just all Get along. You remember who said that? It was Rodney King. The streets of L.A. were being torn up. Violence. Destruction. Can't we just all get along? Let me read to you from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, Proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits. Each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever for the healing of the nations. And his name is on their foreheads. That's the thought that's in their head. It's him. Genesis, the 12th chapter. God had promised through Abraham or to Abraham through his seed he would bring a blessing to all the nations of the earth. In Acts 17 chapter when the apostle Paul is in the city of Athens on Mars Hills and he is delivering that famous speech one of the things that he says as he explains that unknown god to them he said he made us all he made all nations of one blood the New Testament clearly teaches the brotherhood of mankind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul pleads for them to speak the same thing, to be of the same mind, to be of the same judgment. But what's the means and the motivation that is behind that? And in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 23, which we read this morning, all things are yours, and you are Christ's. And Christ belongs to God. Ephesians 4. There is one God and one Father. Above all and through all and in you all. It's oneness. That's really what Paul is after in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's, that's the unity. It's just not uniformity of practice, but it's the Unity. That we are all of God. And that Jesus is our Savior. And there is one spirit that has revealed that. And we are the brotherhood. We are of one blood. And so now we think about the palms. We'll talk about in this moment. We think about the temple, which is mentioned there. And then we think about reconciliation. So Matthew, the 21st chapter, I would encourage you to follow along as we take a look at this this morning. Matthew, the 21st chapter, and I want to read again verses 1 through one through 5. Matthew, let me get there, 21. 20 pages. Matthew 21, 1 through 5. Now, when they, near, when they drew near Jerusalem, And came to Bethpage. At the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately they will send them. And as this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's that final week is what Matthew is recording for us. Now, as you take a look at that final week as Jesus comes into Jerusalem, there's two Sundays that are involved there. There is the first one when he enters the city, and then there is one that comes later, and that's when he is resurrected. Now, oftentimes... Whenever we think about that first Sunday, and even within the denominational world, they have a name for that. Do you remember what that name is for that first Sunday? That's Palm Sunday, isn't it? And that Palm Sunday is not really the main event, even though this is Jesus riding into Jerusalem on this donkey in fulfillment of prophecy. It's really porting toward the main event that's going to come... The following Sunday. So even back. As you think back years ago. And I think back when I was a kid. And whenever we would go to church. We didn't go to church that often. But we go. (laughs) If Palm Sunday was mentioned. It was just mentioned in passing. Palm Sunday was not the time. To put on your suit. Palm Sunday was not the Sunday. When little girls dressed up. In those fancy little dresses. And wore those patent leather shoes. Palm Sunday was not the Sunday when the ladies wore their hats. Remember that back when you were a kid? (laughs) I remember that. That was Easter Sunday. But that was the following Sunday. So one writer described it this way. He said, Palm Sunday, that's kind of like the tremor before the earthquake that's coming. This is an event, but it's pointing towards the big event that's coming the following Sunday. So as you take a look at Matthew chapter 21 and verses 1 through 5, that's talking about that first Sunday. That's talking about that Palm Sunday. That's talking about as Jesus rides into Jerusalem, and they are taking their coats and they are throwing them down on the road, and they are taking those palms from the palm trees and throwing them down, and they are shouting Hosannas. Save now, save now. I want to fast forward just a little bit, though. Matthew chapter twenty-one verses twelve and thirteen. Matthew twenty-one verse twelve and thirteen. Then Jesus went into the temple of God. And he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. My house. Is to be a house of prayer. What have you done with it? You've turned it into a den of thieves. Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all record this. And so as you stop and you think about this, you think about Jesus riding into Jerusalem and them throwing down those palms. And then you think about the very next thing, Jesus goes to the temple, and oftentimes we just refer to it as cleansing. It's like he clears it out. But now stop and think for a moment. What does his riding into Jerusalem? What does his cleansing the temple have to do with a church in Corinth? What do those two events have to do with this church in Corinth that we've been studying about that is so divided? And a little later on, we're not quite there yet, but we'll be studying in the eleventh chapter of First Corinthians. And we will talk about the Lord's Supper and how they come to gather around it, And that's what they're supposed to be doing on the first day of the week. But at the same time, they're not even doing that properly. And the reason is because they are carnal like we talked about this morning. And they are still so divided that they can't even observe the Lord's Supper properly. So what do these two events have to say to us and have to say to that church and how it might help them? They were, they were divided. They were divided by race. They were divided by social class. They were divided by gender. And the temple, and the palms, one voice, one message. And what's it revealed? God's desire for there to be peace among all peoples. That there would be a reconciliation under this Messiah, under this King that he is the Prince of Peace. So in order for us to kind of hear that voice of what the palms and what the temple is saying, then I think what is best is to take a look at the scriptures that Jesus uses and that Matthew records for us in this section of scripture so we understand what he's saying And what he's doing on this particular occasion. Beyond humility. Matthew 21. And I want to back up to verse 5 again. Tell the daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming to you. Lowly and sitting on a donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. Here it is. Matthew 21. Jesus is on the outskirts of Jerusalem. He tells them to go looking for this beast of burden, this animal, and bring that young colt, that foal to him. And then he is going to ride into the city on this particular animal. Kind of lowly, <laughs> Kind of humble. Gospel of John. In the 12th Chapter. about verse 15. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. There's an old spiritual song. Probably many of us haven't heard it, but in one stanza, one verse of the song, it says, Ride on in majesty, in lowly pomp, ride on to die, Bow thy meek head to mortal pain. Then take, O God, thy power and reign. So what's being recorded for us? What Matthew recorded for us? What Jesus is saying is, this reveals his humility. This king is different than any other king. Because normally when they have kings of that day, when they rode into a town, when they rode into a city, they were mounted on a horse of war. The way that they achieved victory was through bloody battles. The way that they achieved victory was by killing men. And now this king... He rides into town on a colt, on a donkey. And the way he's going to achieve victory is not by killing men, but by dying for men. This king is different. This king is humble. This king will serve both God and man. So when you take a look at Zechariah, the ninth chapter, and you take a look at the context, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river from the river to the ends of the earth. What's that language suggestion? War is going to stop in Jerusalem. War is going to stop in Israel. That is not going to be the way to achieve victory. He's going to take away those tools of uh, fighting, and he is going to replace it by coming riding upon this donkey. And it says that he will speak peace to the nations. And those words, from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth, that's taken from Psalm 72. And Psalm 72 is talking about the Abrahamic promises that God had made that through his seed he would bring a blessing to all nations of the earth. And Zechariah, it's going to be a just, it's going to be a righteous king who is bringing salvation. It's Psalms the seventy second chapter. We get to Psalms seventy two and verse seventeen. His name <clears throat> His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the Sun and man shall be blessed in him, and all nations shall call him blessed. Zechariah 9 is talking about this king coming, and this king is bringing salvation, and that this king is going to bring peace among the nations. And so it's going to be during his reign, And it's going to be through His reign that Jew and Gentile will come to know peace. So that first Sunday, that Palm Sunday is showing His humility but it's showing more. It's showing what kind of a kingdom that He's bringing to the world. So when we understand Palm Sunday correctly? Then we'll remember that God has called intended all along for divided people to be united. He desires reconciliation among the nations. It's not just salvation for eternity. It's peace among men now. Do you remember the angels? Luke, the second chapter. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. So what does God seek? He seeks reconciliation between black and white and red and yellow and brown that we remember he made all nations of one blood let me read to you from Ephesians the second chapter and verses 17 and 18 That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Let me make sure I get through it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Move over. That's a good verse too. <laughs> Ephesians chapter two, verse seventeen. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and those who were near, for through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. That's what's Paul talking about. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. He preached peace to those who are far off. He preached peace to those who are near. That we might both have access through one spirit to the Father. That's part of that blessing that came through Jesus Christ. And if we don't understand that, then we miss a crucial blessing that He's brought. John 12. Back to the Gospel of John. John chapter 12. This time in verse 19. Listen to what he says. So this is after Jesus rides into Jerusalem. John chapter 12 and verse 19. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look. The whole world has gone after him. What were these religious leaders concerned about? Everybody's starting to follow after him. And if they follow after him, guess what? They may not listen to us anymore. And so they're suggesting, look, what you've been trying to accomplish here is not doing any good. We've got to get rid of this guy. The whole world is going after him. Verse 20 and 21. Now there were certain Greeks. Among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip who was from from Bethsaida of Galilee. And they asked him saying, sir. We wish to see Jesus. were the Pharisees, right? The whole world's going after him. And now these Greeks, they come to Philip and they say to him, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Now listen to verse 22 and 23. Philip came and told Andrew and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Did you catch that? These Greeks, they come to a Jew. And they say, we would like to see Jesus. And so then they go and they tell Jesus that there are these Greeks that want to see him. And how does Jesus answer? He says, now my hour has come to be glorified. In John's gospel, prior to this, he has always said, my hour has not yet come. And now you see Jews bringing Greeks to Jesus. And what's he say? Now my hour has come that I might be glorified all men seeking him and he would be glorified what's God's vision it's reconciliation how under one king what's the motivation he dies for all men that's the means That's the motivation to reconciliation and unity under the Messiah. Would that be something? All nations shouting Hosanna together? So now back to Matthew. Matthew 21, 12 and 13. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. You know how Mark records that? Mark records it as, My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. You know who was standing in the way? It was the religious leaders of the day. God had tended through the Jews to be a testimony to the rest of the world. And they were keeping them away. And what had they done with the temple? They had turned it into something else. They corrupted it. The very means that God was providing so that all nations might come to Him. They're using it for something else. They're corrupting it. So now when you take a look at the palms and you understand this is the king coming to Jerusalem and they're throwing those palms down there and they're shouting hosannas and Zachariah says your king is coming to you lowly and riding upon a donkey. He's coming to reign. He's coming to unite. He's coming to save. So what does he do next? He goes and clears out that temple. Do we start to see it in a little different light? You're misusing it. You're not using it the way God intended. You're standing in the way. So that's why Mark records it. Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves? That quote is from Isaiah and it's from Zechariah. And as Isaiah, Let me turn that. chapter 56. You know, Homer Haley used to say the reason why I memorize scriptures because I can't find it when I go to look for it. (laughs) Isaiah 56. Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him. And to love the name of the Lord to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast by covenant. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain. And make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted upon my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet I will gather to him others besides those who are gathered to Him. Some 700 years earlier, Isaiah was already prophesying it. I'm going to bring others. Jesus tried to make the same point in John the 10th chapter. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, but I must bring them, and there shall be one fold, and there shall be one shepherd. Jews had trouble with that. Because Isaiah was pointing to it. To a day when Jews and Gentiles would worship together. And according to Jesus, the religious leaders of the day were standing in the way. And so he's concerned about the corruption of the temple and why? Why? because it stands in the way of bringing the Gentiles so the palms and the temple they speak together and they speak of God's desire for the peoples of the world that are divided by strife to be reconciled to be joined together And to worship the one true God. And whenever we see that, and then with our minds and our hearts, we start to see his vision for the church. And now can we apply that to Corinth? (laughs) I think we can. And can we apply it today? I think we can. The church, a place where nations speak peace to one another. Reconcile to one another. One father, one God, one spirit, one savior. And we're one man, one brotherhood. I'm going to close. I'm going to give you this illustration number of years ago, 10, 12, maybe longer, my wife and I were vacationing in Florida. Imagine that. On this particular Sunday morning, the congregation, the local church that we had decided to go to, had a large Spanish-speaking segment of the congregation. It was very enlightening. It was very uplifting. It was very encouraging. So that morning as we went in, and I don't remember exactly how many were there, there was 100 plus, maybe 150, I don't know. And up front there was two big monitors. And on one side, it was in Spanish. On the other side, it was in English. And when the preacher got up to preach he spoke in English and an interpreter stood right next to him and spoke in Spanish. So he would say a few things and then it would be interpreted. He'd say a little more and then it would be interpreted. One lesson from God's Word for everybody that was there. And then it came time for the Lord's Supper and they did the same thing. (laughs) And somebody presided and somebody interpreted And when they prayed, somebody prayed to the same God, through the same mediator, then they interpreted. Then it came time for giving. I think everybody understood that. And then it came time for songs. The song leader was excellent. He was excellent. Bilingual. And so we would sing these songs, and on one side it would be in Spanish, and on the other side it would be in English. And so we would sing, say, in English, and then we would echo in Spanish. And then we would sing in English. And then we would echo in Spanish. And then the next song, it would be like sing in Spanish. And then echo in English. And that's the way it went. And I was sitting there. And I was kind of thinking to myself. I wonder if they're going to sing when the roll is called up yonder. I don't know if there's a Spanish word for yonder. Is there, Marilyn? I don't know. (laughs) Yonder. (laughs) That's a throwback, isn't it? So I kind of chuckled to myself, but I also think... Correct me if I'm wrong, okay? When it came time to sing... When it came time... to sing about mi nuevo amor. My new love. I thought, those who are sitting close to me probably got a chuckle out of that. What <laughs> we saying? Different cultures. And as we left that day, thought well you know one culture probably celebrated Cinco de Mayo this year (laughs) and somebody else celebrated the 4th of July but nobody was trying to impose that on each other we just recognized we were all there for the same reason Peter says you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. One. So Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says, I plead with you. Speak the same thing. We have the same mind. We have the same judgment. I think that goes way beyond just uniformity. I think it goes right straight to the heart of what he said in chapter 2. When I came to you, I knew nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the means. That's the motivation to be one. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said in Galatians 3, right? For in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That's the unity I believe that Paul seeking for in 1 Corinthians. I believe that's how the palms and how the temple can speak to that church in Corinth just like it speaks to us today. So it's the palms. It's the temple. It's the reconciliation. I'll leave that with you. Extend the invitation to any and all that are here. If you need to make your relationship right with the Lord today, if we can help you in any way, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.